Hi, I'm Nikki. I want to inspire you to live authentically. My aim is to raise consciousness through interviewing people that are living truly to their nature and purpose. Denzel, you have such an interesting story. Um, and so where you've come from to where you are now, where you really like to help develop people specifically with community and youth. Mm -hmm but you came from a background where you became a gang leader in the Cape Flats. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear that story. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Nikki, for having me on this, on this um, show of yours. Um, yeah, it's, life is a journey, eh? It's a total journey, and um, each station that you go on this journey um, has a learning curve in life. It is a journey and it has actually brought you to, brought us together with these horses, these yes. beautiful horses that um, you've been helping facilitate a yep. group of women. Um, but I'd love to hear that a little bit later mm -hmm. and um, find out how you became a gang leader. Mm. Well, um, I didn't wake up one day and um, made a decision that I want to become a gang leader. Uh, I would say in, in, in a lot of our communities, young people grow up in underprivileged communities and, and, and in households that um, drives them to a point where they make a decision to, to join gangs because of poverty because and I don't want to make an excuse why people join but most of the time it's because there's no father figure in the house most and that's of, what happened to you yeah, absolutely um, for myself I mean I can remember when I was very very young um, visiting my grandma and if we go and visit my grandma, my grandma would um, be in the house, in her house, and she would have a uh, kitchen overall on. At that time, you get the, the pink ones and the blue ones. And um, people would come and knock on the door, and we would see, she would send us to the door, and we would receive money and take the money to her. And then she would like take out the mandrake, um, which was a drug and and dacha and we would give it to them you know and um how old were you at this time uh, i assume i was about nine nine years nine ten years old and was uh, your dad around at this time um yeah my dad was still around but um he knew that my grandma had that business uh, my mother's mom um uh, and um yeah we he, he wasn't most of the time there when we go and visit my grandma because he also he had family in in, in the community where my grandma um, was living so he went and visit and we always stayed at at my grandma's house you know so that's where the interaction with with illegal substances and stuff happened right um, from an early time, age right from an early age yeah um and um we moved we we actually lived in a in a gang infested area in, in Alsis river that was one of the big areas we in apartheid when people was moved to that was one of the big areas and we uh, we i was born there and uh, my mom and my dad wanted a better community and a better uh, environment for the kids to rear them up and we from there on we moved to mitchell's plain and um into into our own home and stuff like that so that's where everything started. Um, my father was my role model. Um, no matter who he was, what he did, um, the way he reared us, I respected him um, because um, he was the one that I could go to and speak to and relate to and 
when I wanted to ask questions and so forth, you know. And um, at that time also he grew, um, as we grew up, he had heart problems. So they went for a, for a heart uh, transplant and the heart transplant went, was successful. But after that the heart um, started uh, rejecting the other organs or the organs reject the heart. And um, I can remember this day I didn't go to school and um, he was very sick at home. And um, my mom phoned the ambulance, he asked still for a, for a glass of water. I gave him the water, he couldn't even drink it properly. And um, the ambulance came and picked him up and took him to hospital. And he, when he came back out of hospital, it was about two weeks later, he came back in the coffin. And um, for me as a young boy, 11 years old, um, yeah, I, I, I suppose I think I was in grade three, yeah. yeah. In grade three, um, I, think I took it up very hard. Um, for the person that I looked up to and respected came back in the coffin and there was nobody else that I literally can look up to other than him. Um, it was tough for my mom rearing us because we were eight kids, four brothers, four wow. sisters, and she was alone. And um, as, uh, she also started to venture in that part at the mom um, because of money, yeah. uh, because we had to eat. Yeah, and, necessity um, yeah, for her. Absolutely, and, and I don't blame her for anything, you know. Um, she reared us to the best of her ability um, to get food every day at home and, and what we needed to go to school for in, 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 a, yeah, in, the, in the frame that she was in. Um, I, I then started rebelling, I suppose. I think I started rebelling. I started stealing a mandrax. I started smoking. I started bunking school. I started acting out um, uh, in seek of a father figure. Um, I went out in the community um, in seek of that figure. And the only father figures that was there was the gang leaders and the drug dealers. And that was the people that I was attracted to because I saw men that had authority, like my father had authority. I see men that had power and that, that had everything under their control. And as a young boy, that's what I wanted. I wanted to learn from that and, and be under that authority. And I didn't mind that I was 12 years old and they were 50, 60 years old. Yeah. Um, when they told me to go and steal, to go and rob, to go and do stuff, I went because I wanted to prove myself. Um, it was when I came back, when these grown-up men would tell me that we're proud of you. You're going to achieve, you're going to become one day somebody good in life, big in life. And for me, that was like my father telling me that he's proud of me, you know. So yeah. I strived every day to do the negative in life. I strived every day to prove myself and to prove to them, you know. It wasn't about my dreams anymore because I gave up on my dreams. Um, I gave up Did on... Did you even know what your dreams were? Well, at that time, I know I wanted to help people. Wow. Uh, I wanted to, 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 to surf and, 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 I, and I think my heart um, pulled more towards social work. Yeah. Um, because as a young boy, I knew that, that a lot of people needed help. You yeah. know? And, and that dream, I gave it up to fit in. That dream, I gave it up. Uh, my school, schooling, I gave it up just to fit in with men that was living 
um, in another environment, in other standards of life. And I gave up my identity. And um, your peers around you, did they identify with you? Did they look up to you? Well, th that was hard work to get to that stage. Um, I suppose, like, I got expelled from school because I was selling drugs on school. I only went to school literally to go and sell drugs, no more to, to go and work and, and, and excel in work, um, in school and so forth, you know. So I got expelled from school. Um, and, and then your group of friends were these older men then? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and the, the guys that was in the gangs and so forth, you know. So, yeah, um, the gang became my family. The gangs became my family. And um, I was accepted there. Um, and at the end of the day, I literally had to separate me from, from the real me to, to the person behind the mask. Wow. And your brothers and sisters and your mom? Well, my, my, my mom at that time also started selling drugs. My older brothers also, they were involved in gangs. But nobody in my household as the boys wanted to be followers. Everybody wanted to be a leader. So we didn't want to be part of, of anything that you were associated to. And so, and so we wanted to be, stay on our own man, you know. Right, and so you were all in different gangs? Different gangs, yeah. Wow, that must have been quite difficult. Yeah, it, it was, eh? Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think I reached the age of, of 18 years old when I think I, I came a a figurative um, person within the community um, mm. for the negative that I was doing. Um, a well-respected person in the underworld for the, for the negative uh, fear and the stuff that I was bringing towards the, the families and towards the community. And um, for me, that was being on top of the world because I was 18 years old. I walked with 10,000 rand on my pocket. Um, I felt that nobody could tell me anymore. Um, there was younger people and older people listening to me. And um, I just wanted to live that, that life because to me, this is my life. This is my uncles because they were gang leaders. This is um, my cousins, you know, and, and, and I'm just keeping on high um, the family name. Wow. So the ego had really taken hold of you and you'd probably forgotten about your desire to help people yeah. by that time. Far, far, I, was, I was far away from it. I was, the, 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 the identity that I adopted drawn me far away from my dreams, from my heart's desires, and it started killing the, the, the real identity, the real Denzel inside of me. It was depressing it and just um, busy killing it on the inside, you know. Um, I think my younger brother at that time also wanted the respect that he saw his older brothers are getting in the community, the respect that he sees um, other gang members has within the community, and he joined the rival gang, and um, they gave him an initiation. They said, if you want what you see others have, your initiation into this rival gang would be to go and kill your own brother. Kill you? Yeah. Wow. And um, he accepted it. The desire to have authority yeah. was so strong. Yeah. And, and that's the thing in our community. If you don't have authority, you're nothing. So I can remember days when we, from growing up small, you had to literally, when you go to the park, 
you have to fight somebody off the swing so that you can have fun. You have to fight somebody off the seesaw so that you can have fun. Otherwise, you would just say, sit there as a bench sitter and just see how others have fun. So from small age already, you have to fight for what you want in life, whether positive or negative. Right. So it's, it's a thing that, that you grow up with. And, yeah. and that becomes, like I say, your identity. And he accepted that. And I can remember the day um, when it was executing day. When um, in front of my mom's house, um, a car pulled up and he came with friends. And um, I knew that inside of me that something was going to happen. I knew that I had this gut feeling inside of me that that was that was really bothering me. But the person that I thought I was, uh, I didn't care about that feeling because I'm on top of the wall, I'm the man. And it was so properly planned that they knew that at my mom's house, I didn't carry a gun. So I will be without a gun then whatsoever. And I went up to them and I saw that they had weapons and so forth. And um, I saw him and I looked at him and and and, and my words to them is that they have to do what they need to do um, because I was willing that day to give up my life for this negative thing that I was believing in because it was bringing me life. It was looking after me. It was providing for me. So you were willing to give it up even though it was providing for you? Well, I was willing to die for it. Oh, I see. You were willing to die for this yeah. this thing, this this empire that something that up, yeah. seemed much bigger than yourself. Yeah, I was willing even to give up my life it. for it. Yeah, even, yeah. Wow. Um, my words to them is that you need to do what you need to do. You know. What made me also is um, I didn't expect my brother to shoot me. I expected others to shoot me. You know. Um, when he pulled out his gun, um, I was also, I was broken on the inside, but the person that I was, I couldn't show weakness. Um, I even took the gun and I said, shoot me. Wow. In a, in a time where you were probably 100% certain that you were now going to die, yeah. you weren't going to, you couldn't, you couldn't break through anything yeah. to the inside. Yeah. It was just like hardness. Yeah. But, but like, there was an inside that was soft, but I couldn't show it in this environment that I was in. So on the inside, I kind of shouted out, Lord, help me. I'm going to die here. But verbally with my mouth, I shouted, you do what you need to do. You know, I'm willing to die. But on the inside, I was, see, I was saying, Lord, help me. I don't want to die here. And that's in any, anybody that finds themselves in that environment, they would verbally say, Ah, may kill me and whatever, but on the inside they don't want to die because oh. they know that is not my life. This is not what I, I'm supposed to live or do in life. You know, I've got a better purpose. But because we are trapped in that environment, it leads us to that. Well, and do, you, do you believe that all, uh, all the people in those gangs have a better purpose? Yeah, I believe in human race, all of us have greater purposes, but we all make choices that leads us away from our dreams, away from our purpose, because of personal ego and because of personal gain. It takes us away from our, our dream of who we're supposed to be in life. Wow. And it took a huge event for you to realize this. Did you realize that when, so um, you, you found yourself actually alive? Well, 
Well, the shot, like I said, the shot went down. I took the gun. I said, shoot me. There was a, like kind of, not a scuffle, but, and the, 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 the trigger was pulled. And, um, Where did he shoot you? In my face, there's two marks. Wow. Um, here's a mark here where the bullet went in. And this side here is a mark where the bullet came out. Um, I fell to the ground. Um, they all ran, shouting um, in gang language that um, we did it. And um, because they thought I was dead as a headshot and I was laying on the road, they ran. You know, um, The next door neighbor came around, threw me in the car and they rushed me off to hospital. Um, on my arrival at hospital, I was clinically declared dead. Um, there was no more heartbeat. Um, everybody gave up hope upon my life. My friends, my family, even the doctors. And I, I, I think in that time, when everybody gave hope upon my life, I, 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 God gave me a second chance um, in life because He, God always knows your greater purpose, you know, and He always knows that the work that you still need to do, or if your time is up, then your time is up, you know. Your but time wasn't up. My time wasn't up, so I was given a second chance. But I, when I woke up there um, in the hospital, I woke up, um, the time that I was gone, I woke up, um, I just heard the doctor shouting that we got him back, we got him back because they resuscitated me, they injected me into my heart, everything that they did to get me back. Um, I opened my eyes and I saw them around the, the operation table and I saw the bright lights of the of the operation table, the lights above me. And I realized that I got a second chance. I didn't see any any angels, any went through any tunnels, but the one thing that I can remember is that I saw my family's faces. I saw my life playing down. I, I saw a family that passed away and, and, and that are still present. That's what I saw happening um, in that period of time that I was not um, in my body. How did that play out? Did it look like a movie? Did it feel like you were really there with your ancestors? What did it look like? Well, it, it, it felt a bit scary. Um, knowing that that in your mind you knew what just had happened and all of a sudden you see all of these figures in front of you you, you see your, your your life just running away from you like it's in fast forward a movie that is on fast forward everything is like and to you it, 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 it kind of got scary for me um, i just wanted everything to stop to go back to normal you know and eventually um, I, I, I just stopped and it stopped on my face, you know, and um, that's when I opened my eyes. Um, wow. And got that second chance, you know. But when I woke up, I woke up with a lot of, I was hard when I woke up because of what my brother did. I was. I so was, it wasn't like I've got a second chance and I'm going to no, make, I'm, I'm going to make good. my life. No, it was like this grief inside of me of what my brother did. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted the revenge, you know, um, and um, I told the guys that they, they must do what they need to do, um, but leave my brother. I didn't even worry to make a case. That was, that was your friends, your yeah, the, my the gang people friends, in your yeah, gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Um, Why did you tell them to leave your brother if you were so angry with him? Because I wanted to kill him. 
I didn't want him to. Have, I didn't want him to have the pleasure to kill him. Wow. Um, I started planning his murder. I started planning what I'm going to do, where I'm going to do it, how I'm going to feel when I do it, you know, up 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 to the T. And the day when it was planned out, um, it was just me and him standing, and I had a gun in my hand. All I had to do was to pull the trigger. There was nobody to stop us. But that day, I, I just couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger. Even though I hated him so much, I couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger. I, I, I didn't feel what I thought I would feel standing in front of him. And I told him those words, if you don't get you out of this province or out of this place, people are going to kill you. And um, we lived separate lives. What did you think you would feel on to to be able to kill him? I, 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 I wanted I wanted to feel relief. I wanted to feel in control. I wanted to feel, um, you know, revenge is the ugly thing. Yeah. Revenge um, towards your friends. Revenge towards family. It, it, it brews stuff inside of you. And, 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 that, and, and that's a, the driving force behind revenge. And, and, and I had that brewing inside of me. But the relief that I expected wasn't there. So at the moment where you knew you could kill your brother, you knew that there, would, there was no relief in actually killing yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I, and, I, and I found myself tapping into childhood memories of what we actually had together. Um, and it's, it's like inside of me, I was pulled to the good side, to the light. Uh, although I was filled with so much darkness, I was pulled to the light, you know. And that actually saved him and I suppose saved me because I would have lived with that for the rest of my life. Um, my life just went from the end to um, becoming more mess. Um, my sisters had to go to school under police protection. My family, my sisters, um, the police car would pick them up in the mornings. They would be taken to school. They would write exams. Most of the times they couldn't come back home anymore because... Were they under protection because of you and your brothers that were in gangs? Because of gangs coming to look for us at home and shooting right. on our house and... And, 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 because and, you were leaders, they wanted yeah. to kill you yeah. in order to get into other gangs. Yeah. Wow. And so that compromised your sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in the gangs, it works like this. If, if, I, if I can't get you, your family is good enough to prove your point. And so then you can come and that we can kill you. So they were threatened that they're going to kill them. They're going to rape them. But nothing like that happened. Um, my mom and my sisters were the ones that had to fall down when the gangs came and they shot at the house. Most of the times I was in there, but that's, that's the consequence of my choices that I made, you know, that they were living the way they were living. They didn't ask for that, you know, and eventually they had to move out of the house. Did it make you feel bad or did you just cut it all off? Well, I, 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 I have, it made me feel bad. Obviously, it's my sisters, it's my family. But the lifestyle that I chose, to me, it's um, at that point where I was that time, that people don't care about me anymore. I'm going to live life my way. And if it's not my way, nobody else. And if you don't fit in my plans, you're not important. You know, because I was already rid of by the community, rid of by my family. 
And so I was, I was already a, a rebel with a negative course. Yeah. Um, what changed? What got you out of that life? I think the one thing that have happened, it's, it's a, a lot of things that have happened and that played a role towards where I actually want to change. Um, one thing is one of my good friends was shot on the corner um, where I just was. I just went to feed some more drugs, cock and pot, shot him. He died in my arms, 15 years old. Died with the potential inside of him. Um, the potential that all of us have, you know. And Dr. Miles Monroe, late Dr. Miles Monroe, speaks about that. He says, our graveyards are so full. And if you look at where's the richest place on earth, it's not the banks, it's not the, by the merchants or whatever, it's the graveyards. Because in that graveyard, there's so much young and old that have died with the potential to become anything that I wanted, but they took it to the grave. And they made the graveyard a more richer place, you mm. know. And um, that for me really brought me to a point that my life is coming, is going towards the graveyard. Even though I was there, and I was shot dead. Um, and I, I came to a point when I, where I was tired of being tired. Tired of living this life. Tired of, of being who I was, you know. And knowing that this, is, that this wasn't really me. I was hiding behind the mask. You know. um, I wanted to take off that mask, but I didn't know how to take it off. Um, I wanted a better life, but I didn't know how to step out of this life. Um, you know, when you're in the gangs, people don't just accept you. Uh, people don't just open their homes for you, yeah. you know, because you're labeled, you know. Yeah. Um, and they say, say, once a gangster, always a gangster, you know. And um, for me, that, that was it, but, but I wanted change, you know. I found myself standing on the, on the, on the, on the traffic robots on the corner. Um, all I had was my 16 shooter. What and is that? That's like it was a gun, like okay. a 60, 16 bullets in it. So we call it a 16 shooter. So it was a nine millimeter gun. Right. So that was the one thing that was one of my best friends. Because even in, in the underworld that you're in, your your best friends that they have can turn against you also. So yeah. Right. Um, so that was my best friend. And um, at that time, I had no sense of direction anymore, no dreams. I was broken. Uh, I had no sense of direction. Uh, at that time, whilst I was standing there, the sound of music. I didn't know where the sound was coming from until the car stopped here next to me. In the car, it was a warm day. In this car was a boy, his windows was rolled down, playing his music. He's like a cat, cat boy, like a cool dude. Yeah. Um, I looked at him and I, I got into the car, put the gun against his head and, 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 and I said, drive and we drove. And whilst driving, I asked him, do you know who I am? Um, do you know that I can kill in this car and think nothing of it? Because that's what my character became. I didn't care about life and what anybody else's life. Um, he answered me. He said, I don't care who you are. You know? um, and I started worrying for this cool dude telling me he don't care who I am. And he, he's know, he knows that he has a gun against his head. You know? So my mind started running back and falling back thinking with what gang is he connected to for him to be so strong in the way he was speaking he squeezed, you, you could you could sense that he was speaking in authority and i wanted to know who he was and i asked him the words now who are you and he answered me 
He said, I'm a child of God. And he didn't stop there. He said that God has a plan with your life. God don't want you to, to do the things that you're doing. He want you he want to remove the mask that you're wearing, that you're proving yourself in the negative. He want to remove that mask for you. And I ask him, this God that you're talking about, what can this God do to me? Because I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to do the things that I'm doing anymore. I'm tired of this life. But but how can this God help me? And if he, he, he told me this, what he said, the only way that I know he can help you is if you do this prayer with me. And I found myself sitting in the car with a gun against him still, praying. I said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, come and live in my heart. Come and make me your child. And there's a prayer that I, that I said with him while he was leading me in that prayer. And when I said, Amen, um, he said that you committed your life to God. You gave your, your life to God. And um, we sat for a few minutes and we got up. And he went and I went my way. Um, I knew that something happened on the inside. Um, I knew that that, 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 that that my prayer was genuine. I knew because I wanted I wanted out. I wanted the change, you know. Um, I found myself in front of my mom. My mom was the first person that I saw because it didn't happen so far from my house. And I told my mom, I found something. And normally if I find something, it's either a lot of money that I stole or whatever. And my mom still asked me, what did you steal now again? I said, well, I didn't steal anything, but I, I can tell you that I found God. I accepted, I accepted God into my life. And my mom was a very odd woman. And like I said earlier, I can't blame her the way she reared us and, and, and the things that she did to, to, to keep us alive and feed us. You know, um, I can remember, I mean, times when when you did stuff she will take you to the room and one time i can remember when i went to the room the iron was in the wall plugged in and um, i went in and she would lock the door behind you so there's no running away pulled out the uh, unplugged the iron and rolled the cord against around her hand and started hitting me with the warm iron Whoa. now she was a tough woman you know um she once i once used up all the drugs and she, she phoned her oldest brother, which was a gang leader, and she told him, I give you permission to kill my child. Wow. And, um, yeah, that was the kind of environment that I came from, you know. But like I said, when I, when I told her that words um, that I've changed, there's three things that I saw happening by my mom. The first one is I saw tears in her eyes. Um, the second thing is she, she, she took me into her bosom and she... She embraced me. And the th third thing that happened that, that really blew my wind out was the words that she said. She said, I love you. And that words really meant a lot to me because I never heard that words from my mom um, saying that she loved us. Um, I knew that, that I had to go and tell my friends about this change, about this Christianity, walk, Christian walk, and my faith. Um, but I also knew that I could have, I, I can die that day when I go and tell them. And um, I can remember the day I went to them and I told them. And, um, and I told them that, that you guys need to do what you need to do. But um, I've changed my ways. And they said, we're only giving you three weeks for this change. Then you're going to be back in what you do good and who you are. So, so they thought that it was just a little phase. phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Um, 
it's almost 20 years later and um, I'm still here. Um, I'm still doing what I'm doing. Um, and how did that go down with them? Why did they decide not to kill you? You see, um, the time when we were in, when I was in the gangs, and I'm talking about 20 years back, um, there was honor amongst the gangs. There was respect amongst the gangs. Um, and um, if, if a person say that um, I'm, I, I want to step out um, because of my faith that I want to follow, they would respect you. Do you think that's still around today? Do you think someone could still be able to I'm do sure, that? I'm sure, yes, they, it's, it's still possible, yes. But at the end of the day, I was, I was followed. There was people that was watching me for two years. In that two years, any time that I stepped out of line or, or there was an underworld connection, I, was, I would have been taken out immediately. Um, but because I knew who I was, and I knew what I wanted. I walked that journey, and it wasn't an easy journey, you know. It was a tough journey for me, um, knowing you that lost all I your lost friends. all my friends. I lost. I didn't have money. I was like a poor, rich, uh, rich in God, but poor, you know. But I wanted to give it up because I was seeking that that true identity. I didn't want to be a a prisoner of my past anymore, but a pioneer of the future, of my future. And it's that's hard work to be a pioneer of your future. It means that um, you, that you have to cut yourself off from everything of your past. You know, you have to strip yourself from what you thought you was to nothing, to know, and start living a new life and hold yourself in respect of who you, who you want to be in your Christian walk. So you, um, you really went down to having absolutely nothing, nothing, not knowing who you were, but knowing that you wanted something different. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people, they don't want that. That's in the gang. They don't want to be stripped because that's their identity. That's giving up their identity. Um, if everything that you, like that is stripped in a way, then who are you? And who are you really? You know? And yeah. people don't want to go that far. Then you got to feel the pain that's deep inside. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that must be hard that's, to yes. start dealing with all that stuff that you had repressed. Definitely. Um, um, it was tough uh, because I had to allow God to, to work on the inside. And, 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 and in the gangs, they always say, men don't cry, you know. Um, but, but we hurt when we go home and we're alone and we're not amongst our friends. We hurt. We cry. We see, see, see the tear um, when we're alone. But we can't do it in front of the brothers. You know? um, and I've learned to see the tear. I've learned to, to, to let go, allow God to work on the inside of me. You know? So that same brother that shot me, um, I, I was like a year in my Christian walk. And... Um, he got stabbed um, 14 times from another gang from his neck down. And um, I, I was going Bible study because it's my first year as a baby in this Christian walk. And um, it's like God, God speaking inside of me. And um, he was laying in the room. He was um, out of hospital. So he had the room. Um, I was sleeping in the dining room on the couch. You know? So 
he had more privilege um, in the bed. So whilst I was laying in the couch, it's like God saying to me that, that I was, I must stay awake, not stay awake, be alert, you know. I didn't want to know what it meant, but like, so pause one in the, in, the, in, in the nighttime, and I opened my eyes and I saw my brother standing in front of me, you know, um, crying, weeping, um, and, and I got the fright, you know, because I didn't know what was happening. And he asked me those words. He asked, he said, Denzel, what must I do to become like you? And um, I told him, the only thing that I know for you to become like me is the process that have happened to me in the car. That process we should do here. And we uh, took him to the same prayer that I was taken to in the car. And I led him to the Lord, you know. And God only allowed that to happen because I allowed God to remove that unforgiveness, that hurt, that hurt on the inside of me. Um, so that so that um, better things can so I can be filled with with, with, with great better spiritual things, you know. So because you were able to forgive your brother yeah. for trying to kill you, yeah. you actually were able to lead him to a better life as yeah. well. Yeah. And that turning point for him was after he had got stabbed. Yeah, it it was after he got stabbed, um, and um, and we did a lot of stuff for the in the light of God, you know. Wow, so you uh, actually became close after clo that. Yeah, became wow. close. But I can remember when was my daughter born, I think 2007. That's about 13 years ago, if I'm right. Um, he, the things of the world started to glitter for him again. So he started doing things again and, and it took him to the point where he went to prison. And um, I went to visit him the, 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 the week before that in prison. He said he's coming out the next week. I said, that's cool. The Saturday, uh, I knew he was out already a week now. So the Saturday, I came from shopping with my wife and she was pregnant with my firstborn. So it's almost a month before she was due. Um, I got the call. I just got it home. I sat on the bed. I ate a burger and I, the phone rang. And I picked up my phone. Oh. Before the phone rang, um, I said, um, I'm going to take my brother with me tomorrow to church for him just to get that feeling again of church, you know. And, and, and then the phone rang. And when I picked up the phone, um, it was one of my sisters at home and they said, they just shot your brother. Oh. And I was furious because I just sat now and I thought I'm going to take him tomorrow with me. Um, so that he wouldn't be one of those people enriching the soil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and um, I told my wife I'm going to Mitchell's Plain now. Um, they just shot my brother. My wife, being she's nervous, she's uh, one month before due date. I went through and I got into the car. Whilst going there, I was about more than seven, eight years out of the gangs. No underworld connection with him. Just spiritual connections with him um, because of my walk that I was in. Um, but when I was on the phone with him, I said, when I get the Inmitzel's plane at my mom's house, I want the firepower and the manpower to be there because I was out to take revenge um, because of the way they killed him. Um, when I got there, the firepower was there, the manpower was there. Wow. But it was like God's Spirit speaking to me. 
um, as I was walking towards the guns, the bag of guns and the guys, it's like, if you're going to put your hands on these guns, should they all plan or going to do what you, you plan to come and do, you all also are going to die today. Um, you won't see your, your wife or your firstborn born. And I had to make a choice to turn my back and say, guys, I'm washing my hands and I can't partake of this anymore because I knew I was going to die that day. Um, and I was going to lose everything that God pulled up and entrusted me with. And I turned my back and it was hard for me to turn my back against that. Um, but I'm happy today. You know, I can remember the day when when we went to identify his body in the mortuary. It was my mommy and my three sisters and myself. And they opened the window and um, there my brother was laying. And I looked up to my sisters and I looked up to my, my, my mom and I I could feel the earth, I could see the tears, and that day I made a, made a vow to myself that I won't allow a parent to go through, or a family to go through what I'm going through with my family today. I'm going to start working with you, I'm going to start doing what God has called me to do. You didn't um, want your children to yeah. ha have the life you had? Absolutely. And that's where I started journeying um, towards the, the helping of, of young people, helping of, of communities, helping of helping to be to bring change um, for young people that are trapped, um, that, that that want to come up but don't don't know how or there's not the opportunity for them. So we create these opportunities for young people to, to, to start and place them on the platform to to to, to see their potential themselves that they have on the inside of us on the inside of them you know and we don't want that potential to die um, because um, there's a purpose for their life yeah yeah and I think sometimes the purpose that the 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 feeling that we have inside us that actually wants all those nice things and and sometimes we get confused and we do things that don't serve us mm. or other people it's actually that desire to, for our purpose that gets mixed up yeah. and that just somewhere switches. So what you do actually just switches that back into, yeah. back into purpose, back into using that desire for your purpose. You see, I always say that um, in the negative world that, or that we were living, we knew exactly the blueprint. A lot of the blueprint we knew of what to do, how to do it. And, and it's important for me now, it's, it's so, it's so um, important that I use that blueprint and flip it for the positive. Yeah. You know, to, 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 to do what we need to do, but in the right way. Yeah. You know? um, because every day in our communities, young people is dying. As we're sitting here, there's young people just up the road in Cryfontaine that's being shot dead. And I'm talking about nine years old and even younger. Um, because of the involvement in the game. Um, and um, if we don't take up that responsibility, nobody would. Um, if I don't take up that responsibility, nobody would. You know? So we all got a role in what we need to do in life. 
But if we're going to be lazy and say it's not on my door, doorstep and my family is not affected, um, they're just going to die. They're just going to die. So um, I will say that boy that stopped that day in that car, he was bold enough knowing that he could die. He said, I'm a, I'm a child of God and he knew his identity. You see, we need to make people realize and see their true identity of who they really are. You know, today, I would say it's nothing of what I went through in the past. I accept that as learning stations and developing stages of my life, of who I am and for my journey forward, of what I still need to do, you know. And God has implanted a lot of wisdom and knowledge on the inside of me um, to know what I need to do and, if, and he's placed um, a good support structure around me, which is my family, my wife, my three daughters. Um, I mean, today uh, I'm, I'm married. Uh, it's going to be now that the 25th of November, I'm going to be married 14 years. Wow, congratulations. Um, thanks. And um, I've got three beautiful daughters, um, Faith, Hope and Grace. Um, that's their names. And, um, and I believe that in that stage of my life, that's what I needed. I needed faith. I needed hope. And at this stage, I needed grace, you know. And that's how God has carried me and, 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 and grooming me to be. And, it's, and I say it's not about us anymore. We're getting older. I'm getting older. You're getting older. Although we don't, know, <laughs> although we don't want to know that. But it's about our kids. It's about our, not just our personal own kids but our community kids you know yeah. that they if, if we don't set an example for them if we don't put a positive template down for them they are just going to follow in the trap that we were all cycled in you know yeah they need role models yeah and that's what you do you you show people a new blueprint yeah of how they can live their life absolutely absolutely um and um, the work that I'm doing, I mean, I'm working for an organization called Second Chance Trust. And um, there it's all about developing. Um, because it takes time to develop something, you know. And, um, and if you don't have um, the, the right tools, um, you're going to just mess up, you know. Um, it, it took time for me to be who I am today. There was a lot of development that took place in my life and a lot of people that, that played part of my development of yeah. who I am today. I can't claim anything, you know. Every day is a learning curve for me and my, my kids teaches me, my wife teaches me, my work, everybody teaches me and is developing me. And so um, a lot of our young people don't have people to come alongside of them to help them, to, to develop them into the person that they should be in life, you know. Um, that's why our programs um, that we do is, um, Equine is one of them, um, that we um, use um, ladies and we use gentlemen and we bring them um, on this, in this environment, out of their own environment where they just see we're killing and raping and all of these things that's happening. And they think that there's nothing happening outside of the environment, but we bring them into a safe place, environment where they can feel that small child speaking inside of them again and realize that that child is still alive yeah. on the inside of them. And definitely working with animals like horses opens you up again. Absolutely, absolutely. Horses is a very sensitive animal and it picks up 
any emotional things that is happening on the inside of you and it reflects um, what you do and, and who you are as a person, you know. And for that eight weeks that, that you are here with the horses on our um, equine therapy program, um, we've seen development from people that came in from the first day and the people that goes the last day as total different people. And the report backs that come from the about healing that took place but somewhere it needs to start. If you don't say, look here, I'm available and I'm open for that healing process to take place, it's not, never going never gonna to happen. You see people, you have to they, it. yeah, fear keeps them back. Anxiety keeps them back. The hurt keeps them back. But the moment you open that door and step into the destiny of healing, the process happens naturally. You know, it's not the hard thing. And, and it's going to be hurtful. But yes, it's gonna it's gonna be helpful at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So that's the one, and then we've got the schools program um, that we have the BLC program um, um, where we teach life skills and motivational talks and so forth. And and just to let people know, young people know that they've got potential, you know, and um, they've got it all on the inside of them. It's just that they need to connect them to a source that will bring out their potential. Because you can have, for example, you can have all the electric appliances in your house. The best range, Samsung, whatever electric appliances. But if you don't have a power source, that is just going to be ornaments in your house. You don't bring the potential of that electric plus uh, appliances out. The same with us. We on earth are humans, but if we don't plug us in into the thing that will bring out the potential, that power source that will bring out the potential, we like walking like dead people around, like zombies around, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it takes a, a big shift to, to find that, and it takes people like you yeah. to, show, to show us where to find that power source, yeah. whether it's God or somewhere inside yeah. ourselves. Yeah, there's a quote of D.L. Moodley, Yel Moodley says, the world is here to see what God can do through somebody that sets himself available. And that's all what it, that's, that's, the, that's the crux of it. Your availability for change, yeah. you know, that will bring change to others. And that ripple effect will just go on and on, but it needs to start by someone, you know. And I would say you become that someone. I mean, you listening today um, to my story, to the interview, um, we need you. We can't do this alone. Um, we need um, people to bring the, to, to be the change firstly in their homes, you know, because change starts in their homes as a person. Mm -hmm. And then outside the home, you start making it broader and, and you become that role model. I always say become the role model that you are always wanting to seek in the community. You become that role model. And, and you see um, the change that will take place in your life, in your family, in your relationship, in your community. Thank you so much for that beautiful message. That's incredibly powerful. And I wish you such huge love and all God's blessings mm. to help him work through you so, yeah. that, so that you can send your mass message far and wide. Thanks. Thanks, Nikki. Appreciate it. Thanks for this time. Blessing to you and your family and so forth. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the Nixie Pod podcast. Please do subscribe.